You have your Bible today? Yes. Yeah. Why don't you turn with me and believe God with me. Do not check out before the service is over. How many know what I mean, check out? I know I've taken a few minutes, but you know what that was for? That wasn't for my benefit. That was for the ones that weren't here last night to decide whether you like me or don't like me. Amen. And I hope you like me. Praise the Lord. I may not be the best guest minister that comes in here, but I do want you to know I'm your favorite. Amen. Have I told you that before? Okay. So just so you know, praise the Lord. Go with me. Uh, let's not go to one of the books that everybody knows. Let's go to Haggai. Yeah. Can you find the book of Haggai for me? We, we have a mission. It's called to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. How many know as, as ministers, you know, listen, when people are hurting, we are, we, are to, we, do, we are to comfort them. We're to comfort the disturbed. But then one of our other jobs is we're to disturb, disturb the, comfortable. the comfortable. Amen. So Shake you up and keep you because, listen, all of us have, have the propensity to just go into autopilot. Yeah. Right. And uh, autopilot won't get, you, won't get you where you need to go. This is, Christianity is a real-time event. Do what, you know what I mean by that when I say real-time? It's a real relationship with a real God. And every day you need, to be, you need to be tracking Him. You know what I mean by that? No, He didn't move anywhere, but, but yet He's in us. Amen. And it's an everyday relationship with movement every day. Amen. And so there is no such thing as just going on autopilot, right? This is an aviation town. I'm learning, so I can use those kind of phrases, autopilot. Uh, we have a term for autopilot. It's called religion. And, and I, I don't know about you, that, that to say the word religion makes me... I grew up with religion. I grew up in the Jewish tradition and grew up going to Hebrew school several times during the week. And uh, my friends would go out to play. Where, where are you going? Hebrew school. <laughs> you know, had to learn Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, and learn all the Hebrew, could read and write it. Actually, I preached my first sermon when I was 13 years old, and it was not even in English. It was in Hebrew. My bar mitzvah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go, you go to temple, and you do all the things you're supposed to do on Friday nights, Sabbath, you'd light the candles for sh they, they called it Shabbat or Shabbos, depending on what branch of Judaism, you, you know, you, they say things a little differently. But anyhow, I mean, I grew up doing all of that, and I was as spiritually dead as any other lost person you ever met. And then I met Jesus. I haven't gotten over it yet. Amen, because there was an impartation of life. Life. Life came into me. And you might say, well, you, you know, as a Jew, you can't get that. No, as a Jew, you can't get that. Huh? I, I say it's quiet. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. <laughs> the idea that the Jews have their own thing going that will get them to glory. Well, if that's the case, why did Peter stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, turn or burn? <laughs> right? Why did he repeat, repent, all of you. Repent. Be saved. Come on in. Get, get eternal life. That's who we, who was he preaching to? It was actually a minister's conference of, of Jews that was all there, gathered together from all these different nations. International minister's conference, and, that, and that's the day that the Spirit decided to manifest. 
in the upper room. Praise the Lord. Well, anyhow, are you, did you find Haggai gave you a second? Praise the Lord. Haggai chapter 2. God's good. He's helping us today. Haggai, they were rebuilding some things. They were re rebuilding some things. The temple had been neglected. And uh, in verse 1 it says, In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Now, how many are glad I went to Hebrew school? Because otherwise, what would I have done with all of those names? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thank God, actually, my Bible's in English, so I just read them like anybody would. Hallelujah. So speak to the residue of the people. How many of you feel like, how many of you feel like sometimes the body of Christ is like, there's just a residue, there's just a little remnant of us left, you know what I mean? But, but you understand, God's got many of us. God's got many of us. He told Paul, I got a lot of people in this city. I got, I got people. I got people. There's more than just a residue of us. But, it, but here, the, here it seemed like there was just a residue. What's a residue? That's after you wipe the table. That's what you got to wipe again. <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the gloss on the table. I mean, that's not even substance. It's just like a leftover. So speak to what's left. Aren't you glad God can just take what's left? Yeah. Speak to what's left and say, who is left? See, I told you. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? They're rebuilding the, the temple of the Lord, the house of God. And, uh, and they said to them, do you see what we have here? It's nothing compared to what it was. Don't you know it's important to sometimes identify where you're at, even if it's not complimentary, even if it's not the most wonderful thing, you know, to have to do and just be honest about it and say, this is nothing compared to what it should be. How many are hearing me today? This, yes. is, this is nothing compared to where we should be. And, uh, but God's never going to leave you there at that place of nothing. He's always going to encourage you. And verse 4 says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land. Be strong, triumphant faith center in Wichita. Be strong, says the Lord, and work, work, for I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains. You, you still got the word. You still got my spirit. We're going forward from here. We're going forward from here. So fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once, it's a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I'll shake the nations. I told you last night, do you remember last night, you, you thought maybe I was trying to stir you up, and I said, no, we're not trying to stir you. I like it shaken, not stirred. See, I have James Bond theology. How many know what I'm talking about when I say James Bond? 
only four people watch movies. At, and, and so how many understand that reference when I say shaken, not stirred? How many do not, un- raise your hand and be honest, how many do not know what I'm talking about when I say shaken, not stirred? Okay, so uh, the little kids don't understand because they're not old enough to watch those movies yet. And the, what about the rest of you? You won't raise your hand for anything. Do we have the certificates ready to pass out? <laughs> Congratulations. I resisted the preacher's instructions the whole time. Congratulations. We'll pass those out. For the rest of you that will not admit that you don't know what I'm talking about, James Bond is a movie character. He likes his martinis. Don't ask me what's in one. I don't know what's in one. I've never had one. never going to have one. I drink of the fountains of living water. But in James Bond, he's like when he orders a martini, he orders it how? Shaken, not stirred. And so we, uh, the, the body of Christ, what we need today, uh, I, I'm not here to stir you up. I want you shaken, not stirred. How many know shaken is more violent than stirred? And what we need in the body of Christ is some shaking. And uh, I just want you to know that it's God's idea. A shaking is a God thing. He said, I'll shake all nations. And the, the, what happens when you're shaking? What happens when you're shaking? Come on, everyone's going to go out here and go order a milkshake today. Come on, get your shake. What, what, when you're shaking, he said, I'll shake and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory. Says the Lord of hosts. Yeah. We need to shake some stuff off. Shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> we got a response out of some people with that. Hey, sing Taylor Swift in church, you'll get a response. Hallelujah. <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. So when, 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 there's, when things get shaken, it creates a capacity that God can fill with His glory. And this is just interesting. He says, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. And then the, the next thing that He says is, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. The glory, in between talking about filling the house with glory, and then the next time he talks about glory, he talks about silver and gold. Do you know that with the manifestation of God comes the blessing of God, comes the prosperity of God? Did did you get that? Do Do I need to say it again? With the manifestation of God comes the blessing of God comes the prosperity of God. Amen. You know, of course, we're, we're right at different times to teach on principles of giving and principles of prosperity, but principles without the person aren't ever going to get it to you. Principles without the presence, principles without the manifestation of God. There, can we say it this way? There's a degree, a level of prosperity that comes and is reserved for the ones that love God's manifestation. Yes. That love His glory. That's what, that's what, why we're talking about manifestation. What is the glory of God? It's yes. God yes. 
in manifestation. It's God in our realm. <laughs> Amen. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret to getting God in our realm because he wants to be, he wants to be not just in his realm. He wants to manifest in our realm. And really, there's a secret. Don't turn there for the sake of time. But over in Galatians, the sixth chapter, you've heard it. You've heard it said over there in Galatians chapter six. He who sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap. What's the flesh? Flesh is the earth realm. What's the spirit? That's God's realm. He who sows to the flesh. If you go to God's realm, God comes into your realm. Amen. Amen. Whatever realm or world you sow to, whatever you give yourself to, that realm is going to manifest in your realm. Amen. You go to God's house, God comes to your house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the silver is mine and the gold is mine. But look, but look at verse 9 where it says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter will be greater than the former. But did you notice before you could get the glory of the latter, before you could get this greater glory, you had to, they had to recognize that what they had wasn't all that. Did you see that? Before they could have something greater, they had to recognize that what they presently had, because didn't, didn't we just read the glory that you have now, guys, it's nothing in comparison. This, you see the glory of this house now, it's nothing, nothing. Nothing. And see, they didn't know. They didn't know. They thought, they thought, hey, this is looking good. We got it cleaned up a little bit. It's looking great. No, this is nothing in comparison. But God wants to not just get you back to where we were. He wants to take us on to that which is greater. Greater. Greater glory. What would that mean? That would mean greater manifestations. Greater in number greater in strength and intensity. Yes, amen. And I can, only get, I can only conclude that enough people here are interested in this because yes. God's having me preach it. I mean, we, yes. listen, we, we ministered it last night. I, I did not, I have no more plan to say what I said last night. I just, you have to know that I have I no more plan to minister what I ministered last night than I planned to be, you know, in... Uh, in Topeka instead of Wichita. I, I, you know, I, I had no idea what was going to come out last night and what God said about us wanting it, desiring it. Amen. Wow, that's significant. So praise the Lord. So we just, we just notice here, there's so much we could say here. We, we notice here that some things need to be shaken. Amen. And you know, when we're talking about, when we're talking about the, how, the glory of the latter house, we're not talking just about what happens in the building here. But we're, when, we're, when we're desiring and talking about the manifestation of God, the, the number one house that you need to be concerned about is the house right inside here. Amen. 
we're all the temple of God individually and then collectively as a local church body and then of course collectively as a whole body the whole body of Christ on earth. Yes. Amen. And Amen. God desires to manifest himself in his temple. Amen. Yes, he does. But he's going to manifest in you before he manifests around you. I said he's going to manifest in you before he manifests around you. Are you getting, are you getting this? Would you turn with me to another scripture? You're not going to, okay. Would you turn with me to another scripture? I know I'm a pain in your rear for some of you. I know it I, I, because I, I just don't leave well enough alone. I, I, got this, I got this little cattle prod called a microphone. I'm going to keep poking you until I get a response because church is just not what, what it's become. It's not supposed to be where I sit and drool. Where do we go now? Is it time to eat yet? Is it time to eat yet? Oh, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Can we eat something? Is golf on today? Come on now. I mean, that's what, that's what a lot of church members, and I, well, I'm just looking straight ahead down the middle aisle, so I'm not looking at any of your eyes. But that's what a lot of folk are, that's what a lot of folk, that's how they do church. You are here to plug in. You are here to engage. You are here to leave with something. You are here to, to join in. Amen. Hallelujah. So before God manifests around you, he wants to manifest in you. He has a desire to fill his temple. Go with. So I said, how many are okay to go look at another scripture? Thank you. Yes, I know y'all are. I'm talking, talking to the ones back there. Go with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. Now, if you don't know where 2 Chronicles is, I'm going to help you. It's right after 1 Chronicles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything yet today? Yes. Just because you were slow to answer when I, said, when I asked if we could turn there. <laughs> I'm trying to be sweet. I really am. I want to be sweet. But just because you're slow to answer, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Hallelujah. It's not long. Not really long. Uh, did I not tell you? Second, okay, chapter five. Yeah. Sorry, I'm learning. I hadn't been to, hadn't been to the same Bible school you had, so they didn't teach me to tell you the chapter. Second Chronicles, chapter five. This is when they first built this temple that they were rebuilding in Haggai, or working on. And Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 5, says, All the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver and the gold. Isn't that interesting? You see that again, huh? 
and all the instruments, you should underline that. Well, no, you don't have to, but I see I'm a musician. And so all the instruments, glory to God, because Brother Joel's all the time getting blessed with instruments, high-end, vintage, new, and rare. Just that has nothing to do with our topic today, but I just thought you'd want to know that. Glory <laughs> to God. Hallelujah. I said that uh, you weren't there at the Bible school yet, but I said that to the Bible school because that came up in my heart to confess that. And uh, one year I was teaching out at the Bible school in California, and I said, everybody confess with me. And they all did, and they, they said, instruments. And, and they said it. Well, why don't you just say it? Say it. Instruments. instruments. High, end, High end. Vintage. vintage new. And rare, and rare are coming to, are coming to Brother Joel. And I did. And then the next time I went back, I told them the story about how I was blessed with a concert grand piano, a nine foot. That's as big as they come. To, well, they, they do make, Bosendorfer makes one a little bigger, but a super concert grand. But a concert grand piano, nine foot concert grand that was owned by a famous pianist named Ignacy Paderewski, who ended up actually being... I think the prime minister of Poland at, because he got so famous as a pianist. <laughs> Amen. But see, that was just, that was, that wasn't instruments. That was an instrument. See, more are coming. Just wanted you to know that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anyhow, all the instruments, all the instruments, say it, all the instruments. He put among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribe, the chiefs of the fathers of the children of Israel into Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion, wherefore all the men of Israel assembled themselves to the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. So they're getting ready to, they've, they've made preparation for something called the Ark. Now the Ark is where, uh, what was housed? Do you know, do you know what the Ark was? The ark was a, really a box that was built according to God's specification. And God's, uh, there were some artifacts in there, things like that. The, the stone tablets at one time and Aaron's rod was in there. But it's where God's presence dwelt. Yeah. It was, I know we always say don't put God in a box. But this was God's idea. This was God's box. Amen. Now God still lives in a box today. Do you know where that box is? It's the box on the inside of you called your spirit. I tell you that last night. That's God. You're, you're God in a box. Amen. But portable God. Amen. And so they're, they're, bringing, <laughs> they're bringing God's presence. They're making preparation for God to move in to a permanent home. See, the tabernacle, it was his temporary home and that ark would stay there. Well, now they're bringing him into the temple which is his permanent dwelling. Are you with us? Yes. Hallelujah. And so verse 4 says, All the elders of Israel came, and the Levites, and they took up the ark, and they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and Levites bring up, and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel were assembled before him, before the ark. They sacrificed sheep and ox, which could not be told or numbered, for multitude. That is a big barbecue. Yes, it was. Amen. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house and to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. 
For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without, and it's there till this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put there in Ho at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. Now notice this. For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by cores. Now you have to understand what that means. The priests used to take turns ministering. And during the course of uh, a priest's life or a priest's career, he might only have a handful of times where it was his turn to actually enter into the holiest, what, what they call the holy of holies, and, and serve in the, in the raw, unfiltered presence of God. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be an everyday thing or an every week thing for the priest. You understand that. But now all of them, all of them at the dedication of the temple were all in service at once. That's a lot of priests. That's a lot of priests. So praise the Lord. And then also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them. Everybody say all of them. All of them. All of them. This was a big choir, guys. This was, this, was the, this was the mass choir. All of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps and guitars. Yeah. And uh, other horns stood at the east. I, I know it doesn't say that, but that was the equivalent of what we have today. Stood at the east end of the altar and with them a hundred and twenty priests playing the trumpet. Whoa. Whoa. My kids did marching band, but they didn't have a hundred and twenty trumpets in the trumpet section. Holy smokes. You know how loud. I mean, I used to play. I was a, a sax saxophone player and I would play in big bands where we'd have four or five trumpets they could be loud 120 trumpets huge rhythm section you think your kit's big come on now double bass everything you know the full the full the full drum kit cymbals all of them and then all the priests can you are you picturing this how much forethought would have had to be been given to this ceremony just to choreograph not not all the people that were there just to, just to choreograph those who are participating in ministry okay this is how you guys move because there's so many of them you can't just say okay now everybody go it had to it had to have been carefully orchestrated right uh, you understand that this whole building process took years and years and don't you know that it probably took months, if not longer, just to plan the movement of the people in here. Now, that's important why I'm saying this. Because don't you know that some, Solomon, Solomon's kingdom especially was known for their, their order and how well they did things. Don't you know that Solomon would have put his very best people in charge of making sure that this whole service went off without a hitch? Right? That's right? Let's see how it all went. So here we, here we go. It's service time. You ready for service? Yes. 
Verse 13, this is it. We're going to see how perfectly this happened. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, letting me know this. They rehearsed. They rehearsed a lot. To get that many trumpets and that many singers sounding good, they had to rehearse. So they were one. They were making one sound. Everybody say one sound. One sound sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice. So we're still in praise and worship. We haven't gotten to any other part of the service yet. This is the beginning of the service. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised. Do you see they're all all as one praising and saying, oh, he's good. God's good and his mercy endures forever. That they, now, now they brought the ark in. They got God's God is this is moving day for the Lord. He's moving into his new place. This is the ceremony. We're in the first song. But they all brought their they all brought their heart. Do you know that God can move in the first song? Somebody yeah. might somebody yeah. might say, I don't know. I've never been here for the first song. You ought to come for the first song. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I now this was a lie. <clears throat> it was a doctrine that I made up. But I would teach my when I pastored the church. I would teach them there's there's a first song blessing. There's a blessing you'll get being here for the first song that won't be on any other song. Now, you might say, why'd you lie to your people? Because that's the only thing I could do to get, them, get some of them to show up on time. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I just figured God would forgive me if I got them into, a, uh, into the service on time. Amen. I don't condone lying, but I made up that doctrine, but I think it's a good doctrine, the first song doctrine. <laughs> Amen. And the pastor's thinking, that's why I brought you in, to preach false doctrine in my Sunday morning service. But I'm telling you it's false doctrine. Yes. But wait a second, is, wouldn't there be a truth? Wouldn't there be a truth to, to showing up prepared? Wouldn't there be a truth? Let's, let's just find out if anything happened. Let's just find out what happened. So there they are, they're singing. <laughs> they're singing, for he's good, his mercy endures forever. The trumpet players are playing, they're all singing, they're all at one, everybody's in their place. And it's moving in day for God. So, so what happens? Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord, the the what? The The glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now, what did I tell you? How much preparation went into this service? Uh, who did Solomon put in charge? I mean, Solomon put his best ones in charge of orchestrating the movement of people. And in the first song, it all goes to pot. God moved in. When they, when they began... They made preparation, they prepared themselves, they came and they entered in and they began to do what would attract his glory 
God had absolutely no re regard for the months and years of preparation of how the people were going to move. He came in and he filled that place without any regard for what it would look like. And so instead of having this group of priests come this way and this group of priests come this way, you have a huge pile of bodies. It said the priests could not stand to minister. That's, that doesn't mean that, they, that one was saying to the other, I just can't stand to minister here today. That's not what they were talking about. It means they physically couldn't stand up. Why? Because God's glory filled the house. And when he fills, his definition of full is different than ours. His, he doesn't call something full until it exceeds the capacity that's being presented. And he filled that place to where there wasn't room for, for the priest. To, it, they were so full that they bounced off the glory onto each other. <laughs> now, I've seen a lot. In fact, I even know some artists who are uh, professional painters, artists, some who are pretty renowned and not a lot, but I, I actually just two of them, really. They're both believers. And I, and I tell them, and, and I wish, because you have artists that sometimes, and these guys don't necessarily do Christian scenes. That's not their flow. But um, you have seen some that, that'll do Christian portraits, you know, and they'll draw a pretty church, and they'll draw. And I'm waiting for one, because I would buy it. Yeah. In fact, I would like to even commission it. Yeah. I'd like somebody on a big, huge canvas to draw the dedication of God's temple with the priest's bodies all on top of each other and the musicians all passed out, overcome by the glory of God. Now, I, I'm going to finish this up this morning by taking you to a scripture that we looked at yesterday, if you're interested. Second Corinthians chapter three, going from Second Chronicles to Second Corinthians. My my my. Did you know we're meeting tonight? Yes. As well. Yes. Okay. Six p.m. I'm told. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you seeing that scene with me? Who's going to paint it? Come on now. Who's, who are we going to get to paint that, that scene of the dedication of Solomon's temple? If I ever get to build a church building, I might have a mural just drawn right on the wall of the dedication and all the bodies all over the place because God moved in and everything in the natural had to be set aside because His glory overwhelmed. Are you liking this? Thank you, Father. I'm, going to re I'm looking up a particular verse that I want to read in another translation. Yeah, so we're going to look in... Uh, we read this whole passage last night. We won't read it all again. But verse 7 says, If the ministration of death... Don't you know that what we just read was part of the, minist the ministry of the law that brought death? If the ministry of death written and engraved in stones, was glorious, 
so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious? Verse 8. Listen, what we just read about in, in Solomon's temple, that was after Moses got his face all lit up. You remember that? We talked about it last night. Talked about how sometimes your relatives get lit up, but that's nothing like when Moses got lit up. Amen. Moses got so, he spent so much time with God, got so saturated in the direct presence of God that, that God's presence radiated out through Moses' skin. He had to put a veil over himself just for people to look at him. And if we saw that today, we'd think that's outstanding. But that's the ministry of death. And the ministry of life, the era that we're in, is more glorious. If we see a scene like what happened in the dedication of Solomon's temple, people laid out under the power and presence of God. You ever had that happen here? Not enough of you could answer. Any of you, you've ever experienced the presence of God in such a tangible measure to where you, I mean overcame you. Anybody? Anybody hungry for more of that? Did that, when you experienced that, did it, did it do anything to you? Did it mark you? How many have ever heard a good sermon? There's some folk, they still won't raise their hand. You've been preaching here for thir- how long many years? 30, almost 39 years. And there's some folk who have never heard a good sermon because they didn't raise their hand. I guess they've never heard a good one. <laughs> Jesus, help us. What could I do? But anyhow, you know, a sermon, a sermon can bless you. A sermon. But can, can, you, can we just say this? And I'm not diminishing any sermon because I'm preaching one right now. But... How many would say that you've had experiences in the presence of God that did something that no sermon, no sermon. has done? No sermon. Oh, oh, we need the word. Listen, we need the word. Some of y'all need the word. Some, I need the word. But we also need the manifestation of the presence of God. We need His glory among us. But what, what happened in that Old Testament, what we're just talking about, how many of you have experienced that, where, where you, it's like you, you walked into something and it was God. Or God got in your seat with you. And all of a sudden, your, your legs give out. And all of a sudden, there's just, it's like, oh my, oh my goodness, I don't know, can I t- how much more of this can I take? And God starts manifesting himself through you and you're... <laughs> I mean, you're laughing or crying or you're not sure what you're doing, but you're, but you're just, and, and you're changed and you're different. That happened under the ministry of death. That's the things, the things that you and I say are the greatest ever. And listen, I'm not diminishing that, but I mean, priest body, bouncing off the presence of God, seeing people on the floor. That was Old Testament, but what God has for us today. This is just what I preached last night. Pastor told me to preach the same thing. So that's what I'm doing. Amen. Verse 9 says, If the ministry of condemnation be glory, much more. 
Does the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory? Verse 10 in the King James is, is horribly confusing. We're just going to read it real quick and then I'll give you a better translation. It says, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. How many would agree that that does not just read really well? But in, listen to the New Living Translation. It says, in fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. We saw in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 that the people of God, the, the, those who were involved in ministering for the Lord, were overwhelmed with God's presence. But you hadn't seen overwhelmed yet because it belongs to our day. The overwhelming manifestation of the presence and power and person of God belongs to us, belongs to this time, belongs to this people, belongs to this house, belongs to this place. It belongs to us. It belongs to us. But there's, listen, God never goes backwards. He's always going from glory to glory, meaning from greater to greater to greater glory. That's why he said the glory of the latter will be greater than the glory of the former house. God's wanting to manifest Himself today among us in greater ways than what we've seen before. And the first thing we have to do is recognize that what we do see isn't all that wonderful. Yes, we're thankful for any manifestation of God. But we sometimes say, oh, wasn't that the greatest thing ever? Sister, you know, Sister Angela twirled and danced. Is there somebody here named Angela? I just pulled a name, a random name, so I wouldn't offend anybody and hoped maybe I'd get it right, you know? <laughs> Myrtle fell on the floor. Woo! Isn't that a great service? That you ain't seen nothing yet. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Do you notice that all the priests were out? All of them were out. What you see, what, listen, the little bit that we see, it's just a little, I mean, it's just nothing. It's a little sample. Glory to God. I know if it's all you've ever seen, you might think it's amazing. And, and you should. I'm not trying to say, because anything that God does is awesome. One, we get excited when one person comes to Christ. We do. We should. But let's get, let's get beyond that. Let's, let's, let's get to where we're expecting hundreds during an altar call. I mean, when I traveled with Brother Hagen, he'd give an altar call. He didn't, he didn't preach on salvation. He's preaching on something different. And then he'd say, if you've never received Christ, or if you need to come back to Christ, and 200 people would come and grab around the altar. I'm like, what is that? Oh, that's the anointing. That's the anointing. I, I, we'd be in service, as I'm telling you, I'm, I'm thinking one service. Can I, can I share this and then we'll yeah. dismiss you or turn it back over? We, one service I'm thinking about. Uh, I believe this was Birmingham, Alabama. One of our Holy Ghost meetings in the 1990s. I was traveling with Brother Hagen back then on his crusade team. Can you believe he put up with me for seven years? 
And I was traveling with him and his crusade team, and I'm telling you, the power of God was flowing. And, and I mean, it, it seemed like 2 Chronicles chapter 5 was happening. People were everywhere. God was moving. I mean, people were being changed in God's presence. And Brother Hagen gets up. And you know what he says? Because I thought he was going to announce we have finally arrived at the promised land, at the place of maximum glory. And he gets up and he says, you guys get so excited. And he, cause, you know, remember Brother Hagen, he always, he always hold his hands like that, kind of twiddle his thumbs. As y'all get so excited, listen to me, at these little Mickey Mouse moves of God. So let me tell you about some of what we saw back in the 30s, back in the 40s. And people say, why don't we see these things today? And he said, God told me why we don't see these things today. You want me to tell you? Yes. We'll see you tonight. Come on back. We'll hear all about it. The greatest move I ever saw, and Brother Hagen gets up and calls it a Mickey Mouse move of God. You understand, I, now you might think uh, Mickey Mouse because Disney is so big that he was talking about that this was so big. No, mouse is small. Yes. Mouse is small. So this, these little things, so you get so excited like we just hung the moon. And he said, this is nothing. What did it take? It took an elder who had been there yes. to say, the glory of the, who among there is us that's left, that's seen the real manifestation of God. And see, because that was the best we ever saw, we redefined it into this is the greatest that God could do. And, and thank God for an elder who could stand up and say, this is good, this is wonderful, but this is nothing. And God told him what to do for us to get back to the greater manifest to what we just read, overwhelming glory.